are men who can now recognize a Ford Focus, but who can no longer recognize the Fantasticar. There are men who don't know the difference between Banff and Snicked. And then there's Adam Bernstein and Doug Bost. Two men who should have better things to do, but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Grown-ass men. With special guest grown-ass woman, Crystal Skillman. Welcome to another episode of Grown-Ass Men. Our dive into the world of Jack Kirby goes even deeper right now, because on this episode, we're talking with award-winning playwright and director and all-around cool person, Crystal Skillman, about King Kirby, the play she wrote with Fred Van Lente. Fred's another all-around great person. For me, King Kirby is a play about being an artist in a commercial world and about staying true to your passion for your art. And those ideas are all explored through the true story of Jack Kirby. So we wanted to talk with Crystal because we felt that she and Fred ended up knowing a lot more about Kirby than we do through their research. I want to say we're also grateful to the folks at Midtown Comics Podcast who let us use a couple of clips from their live recording of King Kirby that they did in 2014. And one more thing, as we talked, it turned out there was something else Crystal is known for in the comic book world, something we only discovered during our interview that we probably should have known about in the first place, but we didn't. So we'll get to that. So here's our conversation with Crystal Skillman. Hey there. All right, then, here, talk a little bit. Um, hi. Crystal, you wrote a play called King Kirby, uh, and you wrote it with your husband, is that right? Yes. Um, Fred actually had started writing it, and then I was giving notes for several years, and then I, I um, uh, as we neared production, we got back a draft of my name on it, and then we kind of earnestly started writing it together. Right. And it was it was fabulous. I, I, I loved the play. When I saw it, uh, it was in a comic book festival. It was like a festival of comic book-themed um, shows and one of my favorite actors steve rutazzi was in it oh uh, he's amazing yeah. yeah he's amazing he played kirby yeah and then it's, it's going to be done a little bit next year at a few other theaters so that's pretty exciting and we're kind of you know thinking about next steps with it and all that stuff the story of kirby is, is just a beautiful one because he touched so many people and his artwork it, it's a double-edged sword you know and i think that it's exciting that it means being no more especially after um, what happened with the settlement and everything as well. But I think that, you know, the, the images are there and they will always be there. Um, so there's a power to what you create and what goes out to the culture. And um, I think it was just extraordinary to dive into that question, do you know where your pop culture comes from? You know, if you buy a lunchbox or a T-shirt or, you know, um, people created these things. And for like to say that people create these things, not machines. And I think that that's, just really really exciting yeah well it seems that you know it's just like the nature almost of the era he came up in in terms of comic books and comic book creators that none of them got their due really what artist does really right like it's a it's an age-old thing i mean it, no one's ever truly satisfied and i think legacy and how you see legacy is is different for each person i think when one person becomes the identity of a of a culture that's interesting, like a, a more art form. Um, so I think it's cool to investigate as well. And I can't think of another art form that's like that. Like you don't think of like 
changing you're like well the coffee was we got the costumes into changing you know <laughs> right it's not like salvador um, dali or nothing when i read stan's account of how they work together he puts the best possible spin on it because he's a very you know his, he comes off as like a very positive guy who wants to remember things kind of through rose-colored glasses. And he also has like the politician kind of viewpoint in representing Marvel. Yeah, yeah, There's a little bit of that. But how, how yeah. do, you, do you feel like they did collaborate? Because I know that later in life, Jack Kirby, he kind of wouldn't even talk about Stan Lee. Like he was so mad about what had happened. Do you yeah, feel like they did fun. collaborate? Or oh, do you yeah. feel like... I think that's the point of the, the play. I mean, I've definitely researched, I would say that, you know, Fred obviously always taught me to research because he's got a few, he's got many more years on me. Um, he was reading about Kirby from the time that he was reading Joel's um, my first book about superheroes. Oh, that's he, a great one. That book is wonderful. Yeah, yeah. When he was, and that's when he was just learning to read. So he was like five or something. Like that's he that's when I read that. On. The Great Comic Book Heroes by Jules Pfeiffer. That's right. a fantastic he book. Right, to him. And so, uh, so he's got, he's definitely got um, a lot up on me on that. But I, but I do know, I do know that if the, pro the process is documented and the process is ended up being a bit of the Marvel way, it's not on the play anymore necessarily. But um, coming up with the scenario, um, and then, uh, then you know, basically storyboarding it all out, you know, basically creating the comic, drawing it, and then going with the dialogue. For me, if you are drawing the action, the action is story, you know? Yeah. I, and that's where I come from with theater as well. You know, an actor can't do anything if there's no action in the scene, even if they, the scene is about inaction, you know, which Beckett sometimes plays with and all these sorts of things, or that if you come to things in a different way, um, or existentialism. So, but you've got to have action. And so, you know, Jack's creating those actions. And I think there's a great scene in the play that really, um, you know, of Stan, you know, Stan's accounting of everything to this reporter, and then we see the reality. Lee sags back on his desk, limp and spent. Kirby has leapt out of the chair he was crumpled in. The cigar is out of his mouth and his baggy eyes are aglow. His high voice is young with enthusiasm. Stan Lee has done it again. Oh, you cut the crap, huh? What? That's not how Stan Lee and I work together. This is what really happens. Yeah. Hey, and on next issue, let's have the Fantastic Four fight God. Yeah, enough said. Face front, Tiger. You're the king. <laughs> and now I gotta come up with 24 comics pages of story, and he gets all the credit. Just because he writes out the dialogue after I turn the pages in. Which is, which is based on my notes written on the boards, a lot of which he ignores. Thank you very much. Hey, who's the, uh, shiny guy? Well, you told me to have him fight a god, right? Well, God, who we're calling Galactus, runs around the galaxy eating planets. He needs their energy to survive, so he needs somebody to go out and scout out the planets for him. And he's on a, a flying surfboard. Yeah, he's the Silver Surfer, the Herald of Galactus. What will you think of next? That's why they call you the King, Jack. King Kirby. Yeah, you call me that, Stan. My favorite scene, uh, and Fred really works his dialogue perfect, and he talks about, um, you know, uh, Simon and, and Kirby are trying to come up with a hero. They have the opportunity to pitch, and, and they're finally, you know, getting to know each other a little bit and uh, over beers, and... Uh, and they're trying to all the different elements, and everything's been covered. There's some there, and there's everybody, you know? And mm. it's pretty funny, because they can't really come up with a name. And then all of a sudden, you hear Hitler, uh, the, the music Hitler comes on, um, and uh, and basically, 
you know, Simon says to, to Kirby, and Simon was played by Andrew Mathers, and our production was really great. Um, he just said, hey, maybe we're going back to John Gray, maybe we should start with a villain. So, Mr. Goodman, what do you think? A good fit for Timely Publications? You want your hero punching Adolf Hitler in the face on the cover of the first issue? He's Captain America, the superhero that represents patriotism, that smashes the U.S.'s enemies. It's what he does. But Hitler, a real person, on the cover, in the face, can he sue us? You know, one of the things that amazes me is how much work he churned out and how much you sort of have to cut off the other parts of your life if you're going to be that prolific and create that much work. Well, I got really into the story of, um, of Roz. Um, yeah. Right, and, right. Uh, Roz was his wife. And I was like, wow. I think what I really was drawn to with her and the family life was that everything was created to support sex creation, Jack creating. And so there's this joy of creation. You know, in the house and with her and their relationship, and she supported and helped that. And she even, I discovered she um, mentioned inking. So that's why I, I worked that into the play. I thought that was fascinating. Oh, but this production schedule, you better get me a few inkers on this, Joe. I can do it. Uh, this takes time to get right, honey. Uh, and why couldn't that be me again? Because you, you got a million things to do with, with the house and. Holy smokes, did you do this? Uh huh. Like when you were showing me, just stay in the lines, keep the shading, and... Oh, look at that red dress Deepa slapping her man right in the face for not listening to what the lady of his dreams can achieve. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I work all night. So do I, she said, with a tear in her eye. Oh, baby, you're good. Uh Uh-huh. She was just a powerhouse. She's this ball of energy, and she was similar in that sense. But she was also... People were always on my ground, and she was, too. Um, But... But clearly, also so creative too. So it was that neat relationship too, which is as opposed to just like, oh, well, you know, I'm the realist of the situation. It was quite more than that. Right. A little bit more of an eye on that. She was, she was very creative herself. But um, I, I loved some of the stories that people told in this little documentary that we were watching about how fans would come over. You know, sort of later in in his life, fans would yes. come over to his house unannounced they would just show up <laughs> to see if they could get an audience with Jack Kirby and he would just kind of keep working and accept you know their accolades as he kept working and Roz would make sandwiches and bring in some iced tea and just welcome them all into the house yeah I mean I mean uh, isn't that amazing with Kirby like he got more and more you know y- you see the the kinds of things that he created through his life changing as he got into different uh, genres of comic books and then he just got into gods and I feel like that was who maybe who he really was and what he was really interested in because he devoted so much of his uh, you know of the 1970s to these godlike characters you know new gods the eternal and he brought stuff to Marvel that Stan never brought to Marvel like it was really clearly Jack's 
interest and passion to find out and wonder about these, you know, this outer space cosmic. We also play a lot with that too, is that, you know, the artists that, that you work collaborating, you both collaborations, but at the same time, you, are, you always have your wants and dreams. And the play focuses a lot on, um, that he, he, he kind of wants to do it all. He wants to do the new gods kind of thing from the beginning. And he ends up on his journey having different opportunities, of course, and they are important and so he takes them. Um, but I mean, it's a good reminder as an artist too that, you know, it, it's, just, it's, it's a balance, you know, and, um, in the ending of the play, he actually goes back on, you know, he says, you know, the classic line that he said, you know, comics will break their heart, you know, and, uh, and, but even when defeated, he takes out a piece of chalk that he used to draw with and he starts drawing on earlier characters that he had been working on, you know, and, uh, back when he really thought, oh, well, I'll do it all, you know? Well, uh, I really appreciate you talking to us today. I, I well, it's funny because I thought um, I thought the reason why it occurred to you was that because of the Denver Comic Con, uh, what happened there. Um, but that was just me making a story leap. <laughs> no, what happened at the Denver Comic Con? So at this point in our conversation with Crystal, we discovered something we didn't know. Crystal became a bit of a celebrity in the comic community earlier this year at the Denver Comic Con. She was there with a booth about her plays, and at the same time there was a panel about women in comics, but there were no women on the panel. So Crystal did something about it, and it was pretty great. So basically, in a nutshell, there's a lot of, there was press out about it and stuff, and I was on Word Balloon about it, but um, I, uh, I was reading these articles, and women were upset, and there was, I mean, I won't remark on the details of the level of, feelings about that panel and what it was and the misunderstandings of it. But, um, you know, in some of these articles, they were like, look at all these women guest artists. You've got Chris Gilman and, you know, and I'm not, I'm really the playwright, right? You know, right. Like Kirby, who's here and I've written Geek, and, but I'm not a comic book artist. And then all these incredible comic book artists. Um, and I was like, including Trina, you know, Robbins and everything. And I was like, well, why don't you just go and find them? Why don't you talk to them? Because like, the guy apparently said, he said he couldn't find any women. So, you know, you know, don't, it's not a good idea. Don't say that. Um, anyway, and don't do this, don't say that. Anyway, right. so, um, she's like, just go down the aisle. They're all here. And I read that, and I was like, well, I can do this. And like, you know, I'm at my booth, and I'm definitely part of panels and education stuff. And what was incredible is when I got, we did a flash mob panel, we found a room. Um, Denver Comic Con helped us out. It's a beautiful story. She'll know more about this maybe. But basically, like then the word went out about the actual panel with women in comics. Actually, on the panel who were women. And then what was neat is that Hannah, me, and Shannon was going to moderate from Bleeding Cool. And then I, at the last minute, I was like, "Wait, you should be on the panel. We need the media represented here. I want to ask you a question. I'm going to moderate." But I just kind of did that at the last minute, so I basically moderated it. Um, and people came. It was like Field of Dreams. So it was a whole <laughs> house, and it was really empowering. And it was, um, what was so cool about it is that we just really then ended up talking about, I don't think anything, uh, a lot of things are much different than the male creators talking about, um, at, which was the whole point, in a way. Sure. That, you know, they, the, that, uh, you know, there are women creating comics. <laughs> I guess for me, what I like about comics so much and comic book storytelling is that it's that it's a beautiful marriage between, um, you know, a, a, a printed story and theater in a way. Because the panels are moments and beats of a scene, you know, and you rest on them, and you can live in them, and you can languish in them, and you can investigate them, and 
you know, it's almost like what, you know, that scene from Mary Poppins, right, where they go into the paintings. I feel like when you're reading a comic, you can go into those panels. Um, kind of like when you love, love, love your favorite TV show, you pause it, right? Like, but I mean, but that's still, even if there's something larger, these are, these, every moment is art. I know yeah. you've got productions um, coming up of King Kirby. Uh, are people producing Geek as yes. well? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Um, uh, yeah. And I had a play just around in Chicago called Another Kind of Love about a family of punk rock singers um, with music by Heidi Rowald, who um, worked on Passing Strings. She's a friend too. of mine. Oh, really? I'm yeah. Like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm friends that's with awesome. Stu, too. Oh, my God. They're amazing, right? They yeah. Yeah, I've hung out with her a bunch, Heidi. So yeah, she's fantastic and super cool. Oh. Heidi who? So Heidi Roadwald. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. She, she played bass in, with this so... guy Stu. Okay. And did yeah, Passing Strange, the show was oh, on right, okay. Broadway. Yay. All right. Take care, Crystal. All right. All right thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Crystal Skillman and Fred Van Lente, who wrote the play King Kirby. Thanks to Midtown Comics for letting us excerpt their live recording of that play. And that live recording featured the phenomenal and very handsome Steve Ratazzi as Jack Kirby, Amy Lee Parazola as Roz Kirby, and Nate Cassidy as Stan Lee. I'm Doug Bost. I'm Adam Bernstein. And thanks for listening. All right. Grown-ass man.